Welcome to the CP Media Platform, brought to you by Team CP, your endurance coaching specialist. Uh, I'm Angus Petrie, and as always, alongside me, Team Captain, Head Honcho of Team CP himself, Richard Greer. Welcome back to another Wednesday. <laughs> Look at that. You're getting good at that, Angus. What a welcome. Just about nailed it, Richard. Just about nailed <laughs> Practicing it. it in the shower most mornings. like it. <laughs> What's happening, Rich? How's your week been? No, things are going well. We've just had a, another good uh, team Zwift session just now, and uh, the yeah, weather's been beautiful in the last couple of days, so good to get out for a couple of midday runs, And but uh, looking forward to putting the gumboots on the next couple of days. That's, that's lucky for some to be able to get out for a midday run, Richard. Lucky for some. Zwift, 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 was, good. Zwift was very good tonight, Richard, and so yeah. if you're out there and you're a current member uh, or part of our community, uh, get in touch with us if you want to partake in Wednesday night Zwift sessions with us as a group ride. Um, we'd love to have you on board. Yeah, no, it's good fun, absolutely. And just on those runs, they're only like 15 minutes, 18 minutes, whipping the dog around the block, so it's not crazy. So it's not going this sort of hours or so in the hills. A run's a run, it all counts, right? Yeah, 100%, 100%. Um, tonight's show, we've got uh, Paul Botha we're going to finish up with. Uh, Paul is an endurance ultra runner. Uh, so we're going to finish off with him tonight. We're going to talk with Kushler. We're talking mental skills tonight as a as a whole. So Kushler's going to talk uh, delve into a little bit more of the the mental sort of side of eating, I guess, in terms of um, how we manage that and some tricks and um, things that we can use there. But uh, speaking mental skills, we're going to kick off with John Quinn, and uh, I really like this stuff. This is just fantastic. It's really mental skills, uh, the psychology of it all. It really starts there. So um, John Quinn, really stoked to have him on the. Program. Program. John is a mental skills coach, been doing it for a number of years, work with a whole bunch of athletes at teams from the high-end performance side of things, from the New Zealand rugby to Crusaders to um, Canterbury cricket, etc., all the way down, uh, or I guess not all the way down, everyone's performing at their level and seeing how good they can be from businesses to individuals as well. So um, yeah, should we welcome John aboard? We should, we should, uh, I should, shouldn't I, there somewhere? <laughs> there he is, welcome John. Hey. hey, thank you, thanks for having me. How are you getting on, John? Yeah, good, thanks. Yeah, it's it's um it's been really good the last few weeks. The weather's been outstanding, really. So it's actually been nice to actually get outside and, and do the things we um we probably wouldn't normally be doing this time of year because of the weather. So no, it's been great. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, really, really excited to talk to you tonight and uh, give our team a few insights how that they can improve their performance. And one of the things we always talk about is how can you improve your performance with the least possible effort? So it's not just about doing another run and doing another run and doing yeah. another run. Is it? It's like, actually, I can be a bit smarter with some of this stuff and the way I think about things and the way I actually go about my day, which will then affect how I move and how I end up performing. Yeah. yeah look, it is. And I think sometimes we want the big rocks. We want the big things that will make a change. And it's often the smallest little things, doing those little small things consistently actually create the biggest change. And um you know, we are a bit of a society at the moment that wants a quick fix to things. Now, the reality is if you want to perform, it doesn't matter what it, whether it's in work or, or sport, it takes time. So understanding what those little things are and being consistent with those is the key part because most of us struggle to, to stay consistent with that stuff. Yeah, and on that, let's just talk about that because we've just come out of lockdown uh, when, when, our, yeah. when for most of us, uh, even those people that were working full time, lives have been pretty crazy and busy, and 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 but then also taken down and lotch, and actually had a chance to kind of reflect and think, what do I do? Get into some good habits and routines and things, and now we're back into work and busyness. And uh, I'm not sure about you, John, but kids' sport dashing around the place. All of a sudden, yeah. things are busy, and uh, and 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 how do we sort of we've got into some good habits and routines? How do we try and continue that now that we are busy and managing the time side of things what are some things that you sort of uh, share with us there from your experience 
Look, I think that's a really good question, and I think the lockdown for many, you know, if your job is reasonably secure and you weren't worried about finances, lockdown for many people was a good experience. Mm. Um, and as you said, it gave people a chance to kind of sit back and actually, you know, almost smell the roses and, and have time to do things. So I think the key thing when we get back into into kind of post-lockdown is one is not kind of try and rush back to the, to the old normal. Um, mm. It's really important to kind of sit back and go, well, what, what could this now look like? Um, and the reality is, you've got to kind of be realistic about what you're going to, re- what you can actually change and what you can't change. The first big thing is almost kind of reflecting on what are the, what are my goals now, um, which is kind of the one-on-one stuff. But you know, goals that actually will drive your habits. If you're clear on where you want to go, then there's a bit of a why around your habits, and then it's probably being realistic around what your day can actually look like, and, and probably challenging the myth around um, what a work day can look like. I mean, most of us we only work well for about ninety minutes. We actually need a bit of a break. So, mm-hmm. what that can look like for you during the day and you know, get away from the habits of working at the desk and having lunch, sorry, having lunch at the desk and that sort of stuff. So it's probably sitting back and going, well, what does my week now look like? And, and actually creating um, a sustainable week and knowing at times it's not going to be perfect. Um, it doesn't matter if you're a full-time athlete or, or a part-time athlete. Um, it's never going to be perfect. So it's probably getting some real clarity around what can you week, where are the gaps you can actually do things um, and what will that look like basically around it. Um, and the reality is even if you get that all right, it's still hard. And I think sometimes we think of our habits and routines are, or in place, it should be easy, and particularly the sports you guys work in there, it's tough. You know, you're running, you're cycling, you're pushing yourself, so it is really challenging. So making sure you're creating habits around that recovery piece becomes really important too. Um, and probably the biggest one, and, and you guys probably touched this tonight too, with the nutrition, but the nutrition and sleep part becomes even more important. Um, it doesn't matter what your habits are like. If you're not actually giving yourself a chance to recover, eat well, and sleep well, it's really hard to then wake up the next day wanting to, to continue that stuff basically around it. So... Once you understand your habits, it's trying to make things really easy then. So for most people, if you've got to train in the morning, you know, simple stuff like have your food ready in the morning before you get up, you know, pack your bag ready, have all your gym stuff at the end of the bed. Um, don't create reasons not to train. Um, so try and make it really easy. And for most of us, I think what we missed during the lockdown was probably that social connection. So look to buddy up with people who are like-minded, um, who can support you in those days when the motivation does drop. Because remember, we don't need to be motivated all the time. We just need to be dedicated. Um, and that comes back to you know having clarity of goals because I think sometimes people want to feel good to train. Well, you know you're not going to feel good, and you know even this week in Christchurch when it's negative two in the morning, um, and you know you wake up at five thirty six. Well, your bed is pretty it's a pretty good place to be. But if you're clearing where you want to go, um, sometimes it's, it's hard. But having people around you can help you support you around that. Yeah, John, is is work one of you know work is such a big thing in everybody's lives. And, and obviously we've been through lockdown and, and, and a lot of people didn't go to work for a period of time and they were motivated to run and motivated to ride and all those sort of things. And then we go back to work and it falls off. Is that work balance one of the biggest things that you see that uh, people need to actually get right first before they actually start any exercise goals or anything like that? Is that where we should be starting, getting that work-life balance? Yeah, look, we do. We've just got to be careful with that work-life balance because it implies there's, there's balance. It's not. Um, the reality is you're going to spend 40 hours at work. You're not going to spend 40 hours doing much else during the week. So it's just getting really clarity around the language we use and, and being realistic about what it can look like um, uh, and where you're trying to go. So it is understanding you know, if you're, you've got a job that's really, uh, you're at the end of a shovel all day, it's a real labour-intensive job, well, you've got to be realistic about what you're going to be like at 5 o'clock to train. Um, and then if you are going to train at 5 o'clock and you guys will touch this later on, then the nutrition part becomes really important um, of how you're feeding yourself because, as I said, it's, as you guys know, there's many pieces to this jigsaw puzzle. It's not just one piece. You know, 
you can't just say, I just want to be motivated all the time and then not sleep very well, not have habits and routines and not eat very well because it, it's not going to work. So it's almost sitting down. And this is the bit I've learned from the top athletes. It's just the detail they'll go to. It's not they're any better. But what they will do on a, on a Sunday night is they sit there and go, right, what's my week? What have I got coming up? And then be risky about it. So if you've got a job that you know it's going to be really busy that week, well, maybe you ease off the train a wee bit and make sure the work's done really well. If you're a student that's really busy with, with um, study, well, don't try and do everything at 100% because you tend to do nothing then very well. So it's the ability to kind of plan the week out. And this is the bit we struggle with because we don't think we have to do it. Um, so it's actually taking the time to kind of sit back and go, right, Sunday night, right, what's next week looking like? Let's plan what it can look like. Uh, and be realistic about it and knowing that at times it will be a challenge and that's where you have your buddies or your little things that kind of push you through it but there's not a magic wand to this thing people at times want it or they want it to feel good um, around it so it's understanding okay, what does my work look like and how do I make it realistic around it and I think I think you just touched on something there that Richard actually you might be able to help quantify there a bit that like you say if you're if you're working uh, long and hard or studying or whatever um, trying to train at 100% or something, and, you know, Richard's given you this great big training uh, program and you need to hit all these things, that that actually you're better to talk with your coach or talk with her and, and actually dial it back. Don't feel bad about actually dialing it back 80% because you're better, Richard, is, am I correct, to do uh, a really committed 80% effort against a half-assed 100%. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. You, you just, at the end of the day, you've got to listen to your body. And as John said, like the sleep and nutrition and all those things really feed into that, don't they? And the key thing I think you've said, John, so far is just be realistic uh, with what yep. your expectations are. And I think the other thing around habits is that habits are about, um, I mean, if things are a habit, you don't have to think about it. It's just what you do. So then you then that I just got to get my feet on the floor at 6am because that's what I always do and it feels normal and that's what I have for breakfast so it feels normal. So then you don't have to think about stuff so much and plan and because that's just what I do. And look, and also, look, it takes a while to get into some habits. So, you know, if you're going to change something, yeah. don't expect to get it the first day. It can take anywhere from two or three weeks to, to start creating that habit. But, you know, we are, we're professional sports are reasonably lucky when we GPS the athletes. So then what we do on a Monday is we look at what their workloads have been that week or in the week game that weekend. Then we adjust their programs. So it's done at the top level too. Obviously, excuse me, you won't see without GPS then. But if you've had a really busy weekend or a really full-on week or some comps during the weekend, just, you've got to be realistic around what your body will give you and what it won't give you. Um, it's not, it's not, it doesn't keep going forever. There's a finite point to it. So um, it's, it, it, I suppose the easy way about habits and routines is reflect when you're at your best. Um, what does that look like and feel like? Then kind of think, well, what gets me there? What are the key things I do on a consistent basis from relationships to your work to your, to your downtime to your sleep? All these sort of things that get there, then how do you create that really consistent? Yeah, nice work. Yeah, we, we've talked about that now about uh, about getting some training in and getting to all of that point. But but John, I want to uh, tonight talk about a, a, a couple of different topics, uh, event related, I suppose, um, and and how we get our mental head around some of those key things that every athlete deals with, no matter how many times you've done a yeah. race or or whatever. Um, I guess let's start at the start. Um, Controlling nerves, you know, everybody has those uh, butterflies and needs that little wee at the start before we go. How do we how do we get our head around that and get a focus on that start sequence? Yeah, look, there's a couple of things around that. One, it probably starts three months out. Um, it's your preparation. So what we know is when we get nervous, it's a normal response. So let's don't see nerves as being a negative. Um, as you said, it's more around managing those nerves, and we can touch on some micro skills around that in a minute. But the key thing is around, you look at it, it's like going for an exam. 
You know, if you have done the preparation for the exam and you've got a bit of clarity about what's going to happen in the exam and you've done the study, you tend to walk into the exam with a bit of confidence. And it's the same with any event. If you don't do the preparation, if you haven't got clarity around what the, what the event's going to look like, if you haven't gone your, a, you know, your plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D, then the brain will start going, hey, this ain't safe. Um, so it's really then hard to kind of convince yourself that it's okay. So it's around the actual preparation leading up to the event, which is the most important part. And again, you look at the, the top athletes or even the ones who are consistent, it's just the detail they'll go to. And it doesn't take a lot of time to go to the detail, but it's understanding what you need to know so when you're in the start line, you've got clarity. Because for me, clarity then builds confidence. Confidence doesn't build clarity. Um, then if, you, if you've done all that and you're still on the start line, you're starting, your head's starting to shift places, uh, simple things we talk about, um, the stop acronym where basically it's just, literally, it's just stop, stop and pause, step back, then just take a breath, which sounds simple, but we know when we start getting anxious, we, we either hold our breath or we get shortness of breath. So literally just breathe three or four times, you know, nose to mouth, just get it going. Observe your body. Notice what you feel. Are you feeling tight in the shoulders? Cool, just drop the shoulders. Am I feeling tight in my arms? Okay, let's just loosen my arms. And then the P then is proceed to the next thing. And often what we talk to athletes about is have somewhere to go mentally. So it could be uh, at the start of a running race, you might just be going, right, I've done that, so I'm a little bit calmer now. So all I'm going to do now is just rub my hands and just feel my hands and just actually focus on my hands. Or I might just actually go, right, I'm just really going to notice my breath and just want to focus back to my breath. And then next minute, negative thought comes in. Cool, let it come in. Don't stop it. Then bring yourself back to your breath. You might just be standing there and just feel your feet on the ground. Push your big toe into your into your um, left, you know, left toe into your left shoe. Feel your sock. All you're trying to do is bring yourself present to that moment. Because if you talk around anxiety, often we're either worried about the future or the past, because the mind is mm -hmm. mind's racing. So we average 45 thoughts a minute. In the start line, you might be up to 145. So what we want to try and do is slow that down and bring it into one focus. So the, the key thing about that is then it's about practicing those things. So how do I practice being focused? Well, practice, if you're in a relationship, practice being present when your partner talks to you. You know, it's a win-win scenario, basically. <laughs> when you're at work, you know, <laughs> practice focus. Great advice. Practice focusing at work. Well, yeah. look, it is, because look, the reality is we're in a society now that's not very present, because we don't need to be. Because if I'm bored, I just get my phone out and I use my phone. So yeah. I, I can go somewhere else. So it's our ability to be okay and stand there. So if you're not used to standing there without, you know, with nothing, it's really hard. So that's why often athletes, especially endurance ones, you know, I challenge them, be aware of how much you use it, music you use when you're running because it's a great distraction music. Now, mm -hmm. the reality is unless you can use that in the race, it's, 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 you're not trained the way you want to compete. So if, if, mm -hmm. if you're running for whatever the time is in the race, but then in the practice you're doing the same run but you've got your music, the music's a great way of just taking the pain away, taking yourself away. So we actually got to practice this sitting and, and being present. And for a lot of us, we don't do that enough. Um, yep. We just don't sit. So long story short, preparation around it, making sure you've got clarity around the race, what it looks like, and you've done the preparation, and you've done what you need to do. And then on the start line, it's just making sure you can bring yourself back into that present moment. Sometimes you might do that 20 times because the mind is really racing. Cool. Back to my breath, let the thought go, bring myself back into it. Other times you do it once, and you, just, you might just settle there. So finding something to focus on becomes important. Brilliant. Uh, one thing that I talk a lot about is uh, planning and and uh, having a having like an event plan. What are you going to do? And but that actually starts the night before as well. So actually writing some of those things down and actually knowing what time we're going to get out of bed. What what am I going to have for breakfast? What time we're going to leave the house? What time we're going to get to the event? And then it just means that I can 
A, B, C, D, and I can do that. And then also that gets into the event. What time am I going to stand on the start line and what do I need to do? How, what sort of pace am I going to run off the start line? And, and then I only need to focus on the first little bit and then that's okay. I don't yeah. need to think too far ahead. Just just yeah. do it now and follow my plan. And if I follow my plan, I can walk forward to the challenge rather than thinking, oh my God, what's going to happen today? Look, you just nailed it. I mean, as I said, it's doing the simple things well and consistently. The brain doesn't like to hesitate. Okay, mm-hmm. so if you've got clarity, it won't hesitate. Once it starts hesitating, it starts second guessing itself. When we start second guessing ourselves, we start thinking. When we start thinking, generally that's when we get ourselves in a bit of trouble. So, as you said, Richard, if you've got that real clarity on what you need to do and when you need to do it, it means you're on the start line, you're going, yep, I've got this. Do I know if I'm going to win? I've got no idea, but that's the whole excitement part, isn't it? How's it going to go? That's the whole exciting part, hopefully, for most people. And being um, okay with that as well. Mm. Yeah, so, so you can't, you can't, out, you can't outperform your preparation. Yeah. So while we're standing on the start line, John, and I'm and I'm standing next to Richard, and I'm feeding him the smack talk and and telling him that uh, you know I'm going to deal to him uh, up the first climb. Uh, how does he block that out? What what got any just like really quick tips to you know? There's there's always plenty of banter on a start line, especially at a yeah. cycle race uh, about about but you know especially when you know the people, I guess. In in communities, you sort of tend to race against the same sort of people, so there's a bit of that. How do I stop that getting in? Especially if you really want to beat that person. <laughs> uh, well, you can't for a start, so don't try. Whatever, whatever you resist will persist. Okay, so if you go, don't think about it, don't listen to him, you'll keep listening to him. So yep, part nice. of it, again, goes back to preparation and being aware of, okay, who could I be beside? What could happen? Well, okay, Angus is there. He always talks shit. Right. What am I going to do when he starts doing that? I can either, one, try and remove myself. If I can't remove myself, right, what I'm going to do is this, I'm making this up now, is this either... Be aware of him talking to me, but just keep practicing letting it go. And then going back to, I'm going to feel my hands in the handlebars. I'm just going to focus on the handlebars and shift it. And that's the thing about it. You know, when you do that well, it's like when you're racing, when you're in that zone, you don't hear people around you. That's real. When we allow that focus to kind of get too wide, then we start hearing people. So again, it's preparing for what could happen. So from a, say, um, you know, cricket situation, when the boys play against, say, Neil Wagner, now, what are you going to get when you place Neil Magna? You can get short bowling. So unless you, unless you practice against short bowling, you're going to find that stuff really difficult because that's all he's going to give you. So it's the same for you guys. It's about being aware. Okay, who am I competing against? What are they going to bring? And then what's my response when they do start bringing it? Because this is a bit, people want a bit of a trick. There's no trick. You can't block it out because it's just going to keep sitting there and keep coming in basically around it. So part of it, if you find that hard, I'd really encourage you, get beside him even more. Okay? And always, <laughs> what I always say, but it's almost your big, you know, you had brother and you're younger and your brother was giving you a hard time. You just got up and smiled at him. That actually annoys him even more um, <laughs> around it. So a nice response is back and smile and kind of look at him and go, if that's all you've got, it's almost reversing it going, if he has to give me that, it means he's worried about me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he keep giving it to me. It's like, well, good on you, mate. I've, re- I've got you ready because you, I'm already in your head. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, it kind of this kind of leads into sort of self esteem and self confidence. It's a big part of this as well, isn't it? To actually be confident enough to stand next to Angus on the start line, confident us. Like we work with a whole bunch of different people at all sorts of different levels, and sometimes it's actually just confidence to turn up to a group session. Can I do that? And how am I going to feel? Uh, everybody looks so fit, especially when you turn up to a cycle group session because everyone uh, looks the part, even if they're not particularly fast, they look like they are. Um, yeah. What are some things that we can do to, to develop that, I guess, self-esteem, self-confidence, which then feeds into our self-esteem? Yeah, look, I'd probably just change the wording and say, yes, you need to be courageous. Um, okay. Confidence varies too much. So, so for me, I don't, 
I'll work with athletes around confidence, but no one can guarantee me they're going to be confident. And confidence does this. You know, it's all over the place. It doesn't stay consistent around it. Courage can be consistent because to be courageous, you need to be scared. So let's one normalize being scared. If you're not scared once a week, what are you doing? You know, you're not pushing yourself. You're not trying to do things. The reason your muscles get stronger is you guys put them under fatigue and you push and you go beyond. But mentally, it's the same thing. So if we if we sit in a weird comfort zone, we're not scared, we're not challenged, then we get in those situations, it becomes really hard. So part of it is actually accepting you're probably going to be scared. Okay, so when I'm scared, what do I need to do in that situation? Well, I need to be courageous, right? How do I show courage in that situation? Because if you wait to be confident to do things, it's like if you wait to be confident to go and talk to that girl, hey, you're waiting a long time, aren't you? Because you're never yeah. going to be. You're never going to build it up. You know, if you're going to wait to be motivated to go for that front first run, yeah, good luck you're probably yeah. not going to be motivated. So it's more about being courageous around it. And then as you start taking those small steps, you touched on that before, that will slowly start building some confidence. But it's the same thing. It's about, okay, what's my goal? What's my why of the goal? Which is a whole other part to it. But then again, okay, well, it's going to be hard to just accept, okay, I'm going to be a little bit nervous when I go to that first race. I'm probably going to start looking at people. So when I start doing that, what do I need to do? What well, shivers, okay, cool. I'm nice. So if I start looking at them, it means my focus has shifted. So let's just bring my focus back basically around it goes back to that support make sure maybe you go with someone at the start basically around it but it's just be be okay with not being okay i think we have this thing in our society you've got to feel good all the time well that's bullshit and this is the whole problem with that well-being space is that well-being is about managing when you're not well it's not about being well all the time and i think we've given this false sense of security for everyone yeah. saying well if you don't feel good there's something wrong with you no if you don't feel good you're bloody normal so let's be okay with not feeling good let's be okay with feeling a bit of pressure or a bit of angst it doesn't mean you can't perform. There wouldn't be an athlete I know who does not feel nervous, as you said, but what they've learned is just to accept that's how it's going to be. And once mm. you accept it, it goes back again. Just breathe, bring my focus back in. And again, it comes back to your goal. If you set unrealistic goals around what you're going to do, that will create even more pressure um, around it. So it's just doing those little things really well and being okay to take that first step and going, yeah, this is a bit scary, but awesome. This is how I'm going to grow. Yeah. And just before we slide on there but just going back to that nervous thing just listening to you there john <clears throat> what we're actually saying is that is that possibly that nerves are one of the best things you can have on the start line because if you're following what you're saying and the nerves come on and things and that forces you to stop and focus and think about all those other things then actually those nerves have actually put you in a better place than what you would have been if you just rolled up casually to to take the start yeah. Look, what our body does really well is when it hurts itself, it tells us this pain. Okay. So it's really clear. If you got up now and you, you rolled your ankle, your body would go, hey, you've hurt your ankle because there's pain. The brain doesn't do that. And we're not very good at being aware of that. You know, so we all think we're self-aware and we're not. We're not very good at being really aware of how we feel and what we're thinking. We we're very lazy with our thoughts, you know. And often an example I give, you know, if you had a chair beside you and a big horse came in and shat in that chair and put a big smelly shit in the chair, you're not, going to go and sit, you're not going to go and sit in that chair because it's full of shit. But if you were sitting there now, but if you were sitting there now with really shitty thoughts and negative thoughts, we just sit there and we take it. And yeah, so it's yeah. our ability to kind of go, well, thoughts aren't real, okay? 50 to 60,000 a day we have them. All they are, they're not demands, they're not instructions, they're just thoughts and they're random. So it's our ability to go, we need to spend more time just acknowledging where they are and how, we, how they make us feel. So if we start feeling nervous it's about okay cool this is my body telling me i'll get ready nerves excitement very similar feelings at times it's mm -hmm. about going okay so if i now manage these nerves i'm actually going to use that adrenaline to push on through it not kind of go oh gosh i'm nervous i can't perform um around it but again it comes back to if you feel the nervous right intervention if you hurt your ankle intervention rice it rest it elevate 
compression, all those things. With our brain, it's the same thing. We need to sometimes do an intervention, and that could just be that ability just to stop, pause. And I'm just going to sound simplistic, but go to breath. I mean, I haven't seen a way of calming down that does not re require breathing yeah. um, around it. So it's just doing those simple things consistently. Yeah, good job. So <clears throat> next next question, one of, and this is sort of one of my favourite topics where I want to go here. This is great. But we just you just mentioned about uh, <clears throat> how the body hurts and it lets you know that it's hurting and things. We often in endurance races or even in short races, um, cyclocross is 50 minutes of it, but we go into the hurt locker, or what we call the hurt locker or the box or the, um, you know, and the body goes into its into its pain. <clears throat> some people deal with that well. Some people thrive on it. <clears throat> I quite enjoy a little bit of suffering and get my kicks out of a bit of suffering. But other people uh, yeah. struggle when they get to that and then actually been able to see, you know, if you're halfway up a climb and you're deep in the hurt box, actually trying to, uh, grab that mental bit of stability to get you through. Have we got any insights into dealing with that, John? Yeah, look, I, I suppose there's a couple for me. One is our language, and often when I talk to athletes, particularly ones who there is a, a pain aspect, of it, we, we change the language to it's the performance locker. It's the place you get better um, mm -hmm. around it. So it's almost right. that mental preparation around this is the place I want to be. It's not a bad place because, again, pain is seen as a negative. Well, actually, pain probably means you're either finishing the race or you're pushing yourself. Basically, you don't get pain in the first cut. If you do, that's probably the wrong pain you want um, around it. So sometimes it's how you want to reframe and, and, and look at what pain is and the language we see around it. So again, it's like you, know, you can either, there's two parts. So you can either look to distract yourself and bring a focus into something else, or you can actually just enjoy the pain. You know, because in the, the day, pain is like any other any other emotion around it, and you can just almost just be become mindful of feeling the pain, um, and acknowledging that it's okay. It doesn't mean you have to stop. It just means it's your body saying, "This is where I'm going." So again, athletes do two different things. For me, it's that some of them just enjoy it, as you said. Some of them go, "Right, I just need to distract myself." Some of them to focus on driving my arms. I'm going to focus on that spot in the ground in front of me, and practice taking their head away from where the pain is. So the key thing around it, it takes practice. Um, and like, just because you get really good at it doesn't mean you'll be consistent with it. There'll be sometimes it's just harder than others. But if you've had a really busy week, we're probably with that little bit less resilient to doing it when we are fully 100% basically around it. So, again, it comes back to that, it sounds a bit touchy feel, but that compassion part being okay, you don't quite get it right. And the times that, you know, one week you go for a run, you nail it, next week you go for a run, you don't, and kind of go, oh, shivers, that wasn't good. No, sometimes that happens. It doesn't matter who you are in the world, we don't always perform. Um, around it. So it's just, you know, treating yourself with compassion, ensuring your self-talk has compassion becomes really important um, around it. But there's not like this little switch you can flick, but I just think the people who see it as being a positive practice going get into that space. The same thing if you're, if you're training harder than, than the actual event, the event becomes the easy part. You know, yeah, train I, easy and try and play hard, a little bit harder. Yeah, I tend to think like one of the key challenges with that is that when you're in that space, it feels like it's going to be there. You're going to be there forever, and I can't be like what like this is just horrible. I don't, I don't like it. And one of the things I try and tell myself is I can be here. I can I can be here right now because often it's the yeah I can be here right now. But if I start thinking another ten minutes, I don't think I can do this anymore. So I'm going to slow down. Yeah. So it's that yeah. like being present right now, isn't it? Well, I look at it as I read a book in the in the lockdown that talked about. We don't run out of willpower, we run out of self-talk. And I think that's really mm -hmm. true. Is that when it gets hard, if we can't reply to the brain going, what are you doing? Mm. If you can't reply with a good answer, the brain will stop. We go, it doesn't make sense. What, I mean, you look at the brain's designed for one thing, it's survival. 
So yeah. when you're tired, why would you not? Particularly for you guys, it's not like you're running anywhere. It's just you're running <laughs> all over the place, probably everywhere. Yeah. Um, you know, you so it's like, uh, exactly. But so it comes back to okay, when it gets hard, what's my response to that? So and again, it's about training that and getting used to the response. Okay, so when it gets hard, well, I love this challenge. I'm really going to embrace this. This is what I want to do. And you've actually got to then, you know, you talk about negative self-talk, positive self-talk, but it has to be productive self-talk where you guys want to go. So really, what I want to get out of this and what I'm going to do. And, and again, you start getting that conversation going, it means the other stuff sits there. So it still wants to come in, but then you keep doing that consistently enough and you get back into that, that flow state for a period of time, you may stay in it, you may then pop out of it, but it's the ability to kind of, you know, answer the question when the brain starts going, hey, let's, this is getting hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, when, we're, when we stand on the start line, when we look to do these events and, and challenge ourselves, like sometimes it's it's my big event and I really want to do that. That's a that's a thing that I'm doing. But also we do sort of build up events and other bits and pieces. And hey, uh, we might sort of say it's just for fun, but I'm standing next to Angus and I really want to beat him. I don't, like, <laughs> who, who wouldn't? Um, so, I mean, how do we deal with that sort of, I guess it's the, the performance element, it's the expectation of myself and expectations of others, because at the end of the day, we're going to have a finish line and, and, and these are the results. Um, what are some things that we can do around managing that? Because otherwise you end up just not doing events, not going to do these. And that's actually part of the enjoyment, the fun of sitting at the, ba- sitting at the finish line going, oh, wasn't that awesome? And just relaxing and, and all those sorts of things is part of that. Yeah, look, a couple of things, again, I'll go back to that language. You know, once you start saying it's a big event, you create the expectations Hmm. um, around it. So if you can see every event, it's another opportunity to get better. Um, So from a team aspect, often we talk about selection versus performance. So if your focus is on selection, you can't control that. So if your focus is on beating Angus, you've got no control of that because he could rock up one day, tummy bag the night before, had a dirty curry, doesn't feel great. You beat him, think, oh, wow, I'm awesome, I beat him. (laughs) Well, he was probably only getting 50%. So then next day... I'll have my whole excuse to book out by then, so don't worry. <laughs> yeah. He won't yeah. think he's actually by the end of it. Yeah. But the next day, he eats really well, sleeps well, and he beats, and you start going, oh, God, I'm not very good now. So you want to have your measurements and things you can control. As much as it's nice to have a bit of competition and banter, once you compare yourself to someone else, well, you flip a coin with you how you're going to go because you can't control how Angus will go basically around it so what you can do is break the race down to things you can control so it could be around certain times you want to hit it could be around some technical stuff you want to work on those are the controllables and again i'm going to be very cliche with this but you've got to fall in love with the process you love the process of getting better now that better will look for different people different events and different um different abilities around it but if that's if that's what drives you in the sense of today i've got two seconds better on my um getting off the bike and the, or the road bit, uh, the uphill bit was so much better because I worked on that. That's where we want to get the satisfaction from, that real internal stuff, not the external mm-hmm. stuff we can't control. So if you do win, that's kind of your hundreds and thousands on top of your, your cake. But the actual race and your process is actual cakes. The cake still tastes really nice because mm-hmm. I gave it all I could today and did what I did. If I win, that's your hundreds and thousands happy days. But as you know, not everyone can win. Mm-hmm. Um, around it. So again, we spend a lot of time with athletes going, well, what can you control? Which sounds really simple, but when we can't control it and we're out of control and that's a goal, that, that starts impacting on our confidence and our mindset where we're going. Um, and, and it's the same, you know, if, if you wanted to beat Angus next minute, he starts racing, he just takes off, suddenly you go, oh my God, my race plan's out the window, I'm going to take off after him. Instead of then trusting your race plan and sticking to what you're going to do, mm-hmm. um, it's a lot easier than going to getting caught up with other people. So mm. to answer your question very long-windedly, it's coming back to what you're looking to do. 
you know, have, have, have the competitions and enjoy that, but don't use that as your measurement because otherwise it's, it's, you can't control it. And if they have, they, they could have, Angus tomorrow could have the best race he's ever had in his whole life. But guess what? So could you. Mm. But you might come yep. second to it. And then you yep. walk where, away going, oh, I'm disappointed. Where do you see, John, the importance of post-race or even post-training analysis of um, data for a start and, and just general well-being or how you feel? Like we're talking about exactly what you say there is that, that I may have had this scenario go on and so Richard's beat me or the next day it's the reverse but actually yeah. his performance has actually been the same or better each day. So do you see a real importance in actually uh, doing a self-debrief at the end of these things? Look, I think it's massive. You've you got to pre-brief before you debrief. So that's the same. I mean, real clarity of what your goal is for the race. Because always what happens, if you're not really clear on what your goals are, then if you win the race, the debrief is, oh, it's awesome, that's great. And then the next race, if you don't win, and the next minute we debrief the hell out of it. So... The old quote, you don't gain the experience by having an experience. You only gain the experience by reflecting on it. And I think the key thing, every time you train, you should spend a couple of minutes, right, what did I learn today? You know, there's the questions. What did I learn? You know, what went well? What maybe surprised me? What did I learn today that I can bring into my training tomorrow? And, and really looking at it from the positive lens because we're very good at looking at things that haven't gone well. Mm -hmm. But every time you train, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter how bad you think the training went, there will be a positive there that went well. And it could be, I just persevered today. It was a tough training but I persevered. So what I learned about myself is when it gets hard, this is what I do. Um, races, that's the same thing. The ability to kind of go, right, here's my two or three goals. It's all you need the most. And then the ability at the end of it, go, okay, well, remember, goals aren't pass-fail. All goals are is ability to reflect on this is what I wanted to achieve and this is what I did achieve. And then you ask the question, so if I did achieve them, why did I do it? If I didn't achieve them, it's the same question, why? And if you can keep doing that, that's the learning part and that's the bit we need to get really good at because that's how we get better. If we don't learn anything, then we've almost then we do fail, basically. Absolutely. And that's as you say, like reflecting on it and then just making a note of that. So then I take that learning and I can continue yeah. to go forward. Because other if I like we've got our training online training plans and things, with like if, if that's your place, that's great. And then you can coach and look at it as well. If it's a written notebook, great. Then you can look back and reflect and see where you've come from and what your challenges are now. Yep, definitely. And there's certainly there's a lot of athletes who, who I work with I always encourage them to write it down. Mm. Um, there's certainly some who, who don't enjoy it so sometimes they just get their phone out and they're talking to their phone and they send me a whatsapp um, yep. going right here's my here's my goal for this race or this this tournament whatever I'm doing and they send it through then once they're finished they then send me through their reflection and then the key part to that as you said then before Richard is then having a chat to your coach okay what did you see this is what I thought I was doing and that's where, that's where you get the learning experience and then you go right this is the one really key thing I want to keep doing and this is maybe something this week I want to get better at, whatever it is. But it allows you then to structure your week and your training um, around it. So, look, yeah, to answer your question, Angus, yeah, really, really important. Yeah, brilliant. Um, John, you uh, you work, as we said right at the start, with all different teams, like from a high performance level to corporates and all sorts of things and individuals. How do people get in touch with you? What, what is that possible? Can, can I come and talk to you? Yeah. How does that work? Yeah, look, definitely. I mean, probably the best way, we've got a website, Performance Wellbeing, is just send through an inquiry through there. Um, and as I said, we're really lucky. We've got some really good people there um, who we all work with different people. And in the day, for us, it's around performance and whether that's winning the race or, or managing your, your work or whatever it is. So we do work within the, work within the corporate industry and we work individually with people one-on-one -on -one as well as small teams. So, and look, the reality is what I've learned is we're all the same. You know, you touched on before, um, Angus, about nerves. We all get nervous. You know, the conversation I'd have with a 14-year-old is the same conversation I'd have with an all-black or a black cap or, a, um, you know, a silver fed. It's all the same stuff. We all want to 
form. And we know that sometimes our head can get in the way of that sometimes. Mm. Brilliant. That's awesome, John. Uh, and uh, yeah, fantastic. Uh, one last piece of advice for as, as a parting comment. Oh, look, you kind of touched on it before. We've got to enjoy this. Um, I can't stress that enough. Um, I, I think the adults have taken fun out of sport a wee bit the last 20 years. Um, and we need to put the fun back into sport. And most of us played sport for fun. Um, and if we can go back to that and remind yourself, whatever you do, whether you, you make teams or don't make teams or whatever it is, just enjoy it. it it's, life's too short not to enjoy it. And if you win, that's great. But again, as I said, redefine winning uh, and make it fun and you, you'll do well in your sport. Brilliant. Well done, John. Thanks for your energy. Brilliant. Thanks for your time. And uh, thank you. Yeah, much appreciated. So Brilliant. good, Thanks, John. Guys. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Perfect. Thanks, guys. See Thanks, you soon. Thank you. Catch up soon. See ya. But I guess, Gosh darn that there, Richard. That was that, absolutely insightful, wasn't it, really? Yeah, that's disappointing because now you've probably uh, learned a few things that uh, you're going to be harder to beat now. Well, actually, I was just thinking about that, Richard, and your de determination to beat me, and I've got an actual <laughs> cure for that, uh, uh -huh. actually, to take that to take that away from you. So I was thinking, you know, there's only one way to take away that need to beat me, and that's to uh, team back up with me again. Oh. <laughs> oh, you know that that makes it even worse. I, need, I want to beat you even more. I think we should probably stop that conversation there before you commit to something. That, uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's dangerous, um, very dangerous. But but also on that, you know, uh, with John there, um, get in touch with him, you know, mental uh, well-being, the whole thing. There's so much to that that can help and aid in not only your race or training, but just general everyday life. But at the same yeah. time, Richard, to stress the importance of yourself as a coach for uh, Team CP and all your other coaches, and I know speaking with um, you know a lot of your other coaches, with James and everybody, that that they actually do a similar thing for a lot of their athletes. Not only are you getting a, a training plan and a, and a guide to, to help you get to that next level, you guys are actually already doing a lot of this and actually working with your athletes and, and helping them through these times. Yeah, I think it's a, just a chance to reflect and have someone to bounce some ideas off that's in your corner. Uh, and um, and give you some some somewhere to reflect and give give you some feedback uh, and 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 help you figure it out for yourself is often the way like nobody's got the answers but I think if we can we can pull that learning from your experience and feed that and then you can figure that out for yourself then you've got ownership from it and, and away you go so hundred percent I think that's that's super key and and that's that's the really valuable stuff and and why I we enjoy doing what we do good. Now, our next guest, uh, I've got something I just need to, just before we bring her on, we're going back to Kushler's Corner. It's always great to have her here, but I know Kushler's listening in the background, and guess what I've remembered? I have remembered to refuel, repair, and rehydrate, Kushler. Oh, fantastic. What are the odds of that? <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I was actually going to spend um, the first few seconds just going over that again because I listened to last week's back and I'm always thinking oh no I left out information that I should have included um, so yeah, I was, little window. yeah, yeah exactly. well, speaking of windows I was going to just touch on the window of opportunity um so last week I touched on that briefly and then I got off on a tangent and didn't really come back to clarify what I was talking about um so with the three R's the refuel repair and rehydrate 
I talked about the window of opportunity being like that 60 minute period that people worry about after training. Mm-hmm. Um, and generally with recovery, I wouldn't call it a window. It's actually more like a big entrance way. Um, recovery doesn't just turn off at 60 minutes. It goes on for hours and even days after training. And for people who are training regularly, you're pretty much in a constant state of recovery and repair and adaptation. Um so just to retouch on those points that are important for that window where it's a bit different, sorry, a bit different would be if you've been in a fasted state, um, so you've gotten up first thing in the morning, you've gone out for a run, then that 30 to 60 minute window is really important. Um, if you're hungry, eat. Um, if you struggle to meet your energy needs because you have a really high training load or um, if you have another training session sort of within a 12-hour window of that training, um, then it's really, I guess it's more essential to, yeah, try and get it within that 60-minute period. Um, But if you've trained and you're pretty well fed, then, you know, having a meal or a snack within a couple of hours after the training is probably fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I just wanted to clarify that because I was worried I didn't really... (laughs) <laughs> no. no, that's right. I mean, uh, hey, anyway, there's some good learning from last week because Angus uh, either had the notes already written down from last week or potentially he's learned something. So, so that's promising. <laughs> um, so, Kushla, we were talking mental skills. The nutritionist, Richard. Yeah, good. Yeah, no, there was some good food going on as recovery or repair uh, earlier as well, just before the show too. Um, so. You, we, we've been talking mental skills, so thinking along those sort of lines in regards to, I mean, the mental element of nutrition is massive, isn't it? And that's probably one of the key spaces you try and work with to give people ideas of, of how to do stuff and, and, uh, and, and to, I mean, that whole dieting bit, the, the confidence side of things. Um, tell us a little, a few things along those lines. What, what do you sort of um, wanted to share? Yeah, definitely. Um, Diet culture, it's such an interesting topic and it's something I feel very passionate about. I could probably spend hours talking about diet culture, to be honest. Or maybe Um, we'll plug the next 15 episodes in and we'll just uh, (laughs) five minutes today and then just keep opening it up. I'll be brief or I'll try to be, but um, it's so ingrained in society. I think we are all very used to it and it's just not okay. And it is unfortunate that we're called dietitians because diet is in our name. And actually, many dietitians in my era are very, very anti-diets. And I always, when I first meet a client, I like to say, look, I'm not the food police. I'm not here to tell you all the things you can't eat or put you on some crazy diet. In fact, people are often surprised at often many of the strategies we work through it's adding in more foods and more of the right foods um it's not about taking out lots of foods do you have um, a new name like would you come up have you got a new name that you come up with or is that something for next week and something to think on for the week instead of dietitian <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, well it's a legally protected name so we can't exactly yeah. change no, that no, no, and no, i wouldn't be a nutritionist because i'm a dietitian so yeah. I'll, you're, I'll welcome, just you're welcome to have your own name here here with us, Koshla. You know, we're family here and, and, yeah. and you're welcome to call yourself what you like. <laughs> we do call ourselves non-diet dietitians. <laughs> That's challenging. So, so what are some of the things that we can do around around this space in terms of I guess it's having confidence to 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 do what I do and enjoy my food? Mm. Yeah, so I guess um 
with with diet culture it pretty much tells us if if we lose weight we will be healthier if we eliminate food groups we'll feel better um if we're thin we're successful um and it also tells us that people in smaller bodies or who are thin um don't have to worry about their health they don't have to worry about nutrition or sleep or stress management or mental well-being because they're thin so therefore they must be healthy um and of course that's it, that's so far from the truth Mm. Um, but that's what diet culture tells us. Um, and diet culture, it's a $60 billion industry because they make money off you feeling pretty much crap about yourself. Um, and then you pay money to go on a diet. It doesn't work. And then you pay more money to go on another diet. Um, and diet culture, like I said, it's very ingrained in our society. And I think there's many aspects that we probably live through day to day that we're not even consciously aware of, but they actually... Mm quite obvious signs of diet culture so I actually was sitting down before and I just jotted down a few things um, so if you're okay I'll sort of go through a few and I feel like a lot of people listening will probably be sitting there nodding and agreeing with a lot of the things I bring up um, and yep. feel free to jump in too um, so diet cultures like labeling foods is good and bad and then you know saying you're good or bad for eating those foods mm-hmm. um, it's eliminating entire food groups so often you know carbs are evil or fats bad proteins often i've never heard of protein being a baddie actually protein's always a good one um following external uh cues rather than your internal cues so saying you have to eat at a certain time a certain food and a certain amount rather than going i'm hungry now this is what i feel like and this is how much i feel like eating Mm -hmm. um feeling guilty for eating uh and eating certain types of food which is a big one, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, if you're paying for supplements and powders, you must be healthy because you're paying money for those things and, you know, they're marketed as saving all sorts of things about your health. Mm-hmm. Um, avoiding certain social situations if it revolves around different types of food or um, restaurants. Focusing more on your appearance. Um feeling unworthy because your body doesn't meet society's standards of beauty, which are often totally unrealistic. Mm -hmm. Um, What else? Oh, I guess dictating your happiness or how you feel in the day based off your weight, which is just your relationship with gravity. (laughs) Um, Exercising to compensate for food intake or as punishment rather than for enjoyment or to get stronger or better. And oh, this is a common one. Like, oh, I'll start again Monday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the um, great during Monday to Friday, but then the weekend goes to pieces. Yeah, mm. yeah. And often something I hear people talk about is they'll say, oh, they, you know, they fell off the bandwagon, so they just went crazy and ate everything. Um, but I often talk with them about, you know, if you smash a dinner plate in the kitchen, you don't go, oh no, and start smashing them all. You clean it up. And then you get another plate and you carry on. Yes, um, yeah, good, but like people it. just give up and you know go crazy and eat everything in sight, and then they'll start again Monday. That's a great analogy. That's really good. Yeah. <laughs> just on that, Kushla, exactly. we've got, got this little diagram here. Do you want to talk us through a bit of that about this yeah, sort of? Gonna, yeah, I was just going to go over that actually. So this is what I call the diet bin cycle, and this is pretty much what diet culture will. Um, 
end up getting you on. So pretty much you go on a diet, you restrict, and then you feel really deprived. You become preoccupied with food, you have food cravings, you're probably going to be starving hungry. So you break from the diet, and then because you've done that, you feel like you've failed and um, you know all or nothing thinking. So again, that dinner plate analogy. So then you binge and you overeat, um, and then you feel really crap about yourself, self-loathing, and then you, you know, believe, of course, weight loss is going to make everything better and make you happier, so then you go on some other crazy diet, and it continues. And honestly, some people I meet um, in my clinics, I've been doing this for years, like decades even, um, and they're really, really damaged from diet culture, and it takes a lot of work to undo that mindset. Um, it doesn't happen overnight, that's for sure. <laughs> years worth of work to undo, all those years worth of uh, building and, and thinking along those lines. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. How, how and, much of, sorry, carry on, Crystal. You go, you go. You go. How, how much of diet culture is commercially driven? Oh, most of it. And I also think what's exacerbated it would be social media as well. Like social media is great and it definitely serves a purpose. But in terms of like, you know, the, I guess the unrealistic standards of beauty and kind of the misinformation out there and trying to sell products, I think it's made it so much worse. Mm. Um, so that's always something I talk about with clients as well who might be, you know, having difficulty with body image or disordered eating is just unfollow anything that provokes negative emotions um, and follow all the things that make you happy or are positive and sending the right messages um, don't follow an influencer who has a six-pack of abs and apparently they know what they're talking about when they have no nutritional backing or anything. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so really be careful who you follow and who you listen to for advice. Very good, oh. very good. There's another picture there that was my favourite yep. uh, that you sent through, Kushla. Uh, the donut. Look at that. <laughs> Just She's telling us we're good to go here, Richard. We I had, had one of these exact donuts on uh, Monday night as well um, with uh, – so um, talk me through that one, Kusha. With, with Bella, my daughter, we uh, were waiting for Nate to finish football practice. So we're like, let's go to Copeland to get a couple of donuts each. Oh, nice. Awesome. awesome. <laughs> and you know what? I always like to say that a healthy diet is flexible um, and it's including a little bit of everything. And like I said, it's not labeling foods as good or bad. Um, it's just making sure that you're having nourishing foods most of the time that makes you feel good, but including things like your donut with your daughter every now and again, like that's perfectly fine. Yeah, yeah, no, um, it was that so, sprinkles as well. Yeah, just coming back to that picture, if you can bring it back up, there is a book I would recommend highly to everyone. Um, it's fantastic. I think I listened to it on Audible in about two days. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's all about, I guess, around diet culture and um, lots of sort of thought-provoking messages and a few exercises in there as well that definitely makes you think differently around sort of what society's told us we should be. Um, so yeah, I loved that book. I thought it was great. And also in that book, she recommends a lot of other books to read if you're wanting more. And yeah, yeah. So just question, just on that. Yeah, I was just going to say that for our podcast listeners, for people that are listening in, uh, what is it? Oh, oh, sorry for the pot. Yeah, it's true. So it's, um, the book's called Just Eat It and it's by Laura Thomas. Perfect. Yeah, sorry, I forget this is a podcast as well. <laughs> good, good thinking, Captain. Look at you go there. Hey, you're yeah, on no, fire. Right 
<laughs> Good stuff. So, Krista, any sort of last sort of comments to, to wrap up in terms of, um, uh, I mean, the big first part of it is awareness, isn't it? And understanding sort of what my thinking is doing. And uh, and so that's the first part. But what are one or two key things that, as takeaways that people could um, sort of summarize what you've talked about? Um. I guess just it's really hard to avoid diet culture like I even find like it might be in your workplace at lunchtime and things like everyone's you know they might be talking about diets or what they're doing or oh I shouldn't eat that that's so bad um, and it's actually almost hard to avoid it but just trying to I guess remove or not removing people but if people are bringing on negative thoughts and you know they're really obsessed with diet culture I guess just being mindful of how much influence they're having on you, um, mm. particularly if people are making comments around your weight or your food intake or anything like that. Um, and if you are like struggling or feel like you're just stuck in the diet cycle trap, like absolutely that's something that we help with as dietitians. Um, so yeah, please do reach out. Um, as, as my name goes, I am a dietitian, but we do definitely help with that sort of thing. We aren't the food police. <laughs> Absolutely. And it is about being organized as well, isn't it? And then you've you've got your wee plan and then I can just focus on what I'm doing rather than other people. Just like yeah. John was saying earlier in regards to um, sport and performance, it's exactly the same thing with nutrition as well, isn't it? Yeah. Don't compare yourself to others. It doesn't get you anywhere. Yeah. 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 Brilliant. Well, Enjoy your food. Thank you for joining us again. It is time to put you back in your lunchbox uh, until next week. <laughs> so, as always, thank you for joining. We look forward to seeing you again next week. Yeah, thanks good. for your thanks for your feedback, Kushla. And uh, for those people that are listening in, if you've got any other key questions that you want us or Kushla to to answer, just feel free to throw your comments up and um, and share them with us either now or or during the week. Awesome. Cool. Thanks, yeah, guys. Well thanks, Eves. Yeah. Good job. Well done, Angus. We're on a fire tonight. Well, aren't we? We're just we're just rolling with it. So maybe it's maybe it's a good company we're, we're keeping. Oh yeah, I think so. Go well as a team, Richard. As a team. <laughs> See where this is going. <laughs> right, should we roll on? Keep moving, I think roll. you said before. Roll on, roll on yep. to another stage. Oh. Yes. Paul, are you are you there? Yes. Yes, Paul, here I am. Yeah, brilliant. Great to be able to catch up with you, Paul. So um, you're one of our Team CP athletes. How long have you been with us, uh, working Penelope, working with Penelope specifically? Oh, it's nearly two and a half years now. Yeah, so yeah. time flies when you're having fun. <laughs> exactly. And you've had plenty of fun. Uh, <laughs> yes, the um, yes, Comrade Marathon's been a big thing that you've done, isn't it? Tell us a little bit about that. That's something you, uh, very dear to your heart and uh, a bunch of people might not know a whole lot about. Yes, so the Comrades Marathon is the oldest road ultra marathon in the world. So mm -hmm. the first race was in 1921. It's in South Africa. It's they run it each year in altern alternative uh, directions. Yeah. So um, it's on the east coast of South Africa. Um, it started off after the First World War in memory of the fallen soldiers, and it's grown from a field of 35 athletes to. 35,000 now. 35, so it's just, it's people just huge. Yes. That's insane. How yes. far is it? It's about 90 k's. 90 so k's? 35,000. Yes. Angus, sign your. Should we sign? No? Yeah, yeah. no, I'm, oh, I'm no. always keen to take the CP Media Global, Richard. Yeah, you know good on you. Wow, that's fantastic. <laughs> and so, Paul, tell us your background. What have you done 
like how many times have you done this event? I've, uh, this this unfortunately would have been my third year, but then COVID nineteen happened, so the race mm. has been cancelled. Yeah, unfortunately. But yeah, I, I went back last year with Jamie Hawker, my club mate from yep. Board Hills um, Athletics. Yes. And it's been it's been a massive experience. Jamie couldn't believe the amount of support. Just just on the day, there's about a half a million people supporting you on the route. Brilliant, so it's brilliant. it's just huge. It's an absolute must do for all endurance athletes. Fantastic. <laughs> but it's not just a it's not a hey, ninety K, thirty five thousand people, it's a it's a walk in the park and everyone's gonna finish and hold hands and, and skip across the finish line, is it? It's pretty brutal at the finish line. What happens there? It is brutal. So you've got 12 hours of gun time. So the gun goes 5.30 in the morning and 5.30 at night. So the first runner and the last runner have got exactly the same 12 hours. Wow. And um, at, at 5.30 when they close the course, so they've got a per person, uh, normally a celebrity, standing with his back towards the oncoming runners. And, um, and 5.30 he just shoots the gun. And if you haven't crossed the finish line, you're not finished and you get to listen the last post you get to hear the last post that's how brutal it is and you don't get a medal and if you're like you run around a no. track i think to, to, at the end don't you so you, you can see yes. where the finish line is and they'll stadium. be counting you down yes and there's about mm. um off the thirty-five thousand, there's about um 20 of the athletes don't finish right. and yeah, about 50 well. percent of the field come in in the last hour so it's Absolute chaos in the last, <laughs> in the last hour. Right, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, good stuff. That's that's brilliant. Um, and uh, so you've done this a couple of times. What was your? How did it go yes. last time? So last time went well. Um, mm -hmm. I did. Uh, I finished in ten hours forty-four. I was pretty happy with that. Um, I I helped Jamie. Jamie was ahead of me for most of the race, but I helped him. Um, he he was going through a dark patch when I caught up with him. So I supported him for a while, and we we and then finished. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm pretty happy with that. Yes. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And it's really rewarding, is it? Uh, supporting a supporting a friend. Jamie's obviously the Crater Rome oh, Ultra um, uh, person that organises that. So he's a fantastic guy, and you feel pretty happy with with doing that oh, and yes. getting across the finish line together. Oh yeah, he's a great friend of mine, and and that's what the spirit of comrades is all about. It's about supporting each other and making sure you finish. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, brilliant. <laughs> This is amazing. I've never heard of this before, to be fair, before, uh, Richard, you told me about Paul coming on. And yep. I've just got a couple of comments popping up here from Lisa um, saying, uh, Comrades Marathon <laughs> equals world's best. It changed my outlook on life forever. But Paul and I'm um, hoping Hey? Absolutely. I can't, I can't agree more with Lisa. That's absolutely well, spot on. Well, what about her next comment? Because her next one's a real, uh, a real doozy here. The real finish time was always eleven hours until the year two thousand, when it was made twelve yep. hours. Lisa goes on to say yes. that, uh, but I still believe everyone should finish in eleven hours to say they finished. <laughs> that's awesome. absolutely. That's what I, that's what I said to Jamie. He felt a bit bad when he finished, and I said to him, "Look, you finished within eleven hours, so you are a true comrade finisher." You finished within. You finished the original comrades. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Yep. Good job. So, Brilliant. so in in two thousand, they've extended the finishing time as well as they allowed. Um, they changed the because you need to pre-qualify. So um, they then said at two in two thousand, you have to finish a full marathon in under five hours. 
So they changed the, the qualifying, the, the complete the finishing time as well as the qualifying requirements. Yeah, yeah, to, to allow that. So, where are you at at the moment, Paul? Yes. You've uh, you're you're not able to go to South Africa this year due to COVID. So, you've got some other. Hey, um, you're not one to sit back and have a holiday. You're like, right, let's ramp things up a bit faster. So, what are you up to at the moment? Yes, yes. So, um, so this year has been interesting. So, during lockdown, um, obviously all the races were cancelled. So, I ran a full marathon on my own, not in my backyard. No, um, I set my car out. <laughs> Um, up as an aid station outside, Good. and I wanted to I wanted to push myself and see what I can do. So I I ran my third fastest full marathon in lockdown. Cool. So I'm pretty happy with that. Um, no traffic to contend with. I, you can just do your own thing. No, no, <laughs> no. It was during level four, so it was good. Yeah, good. <laughs> um, and then and and then Jamie and I were going to um, pace the two hours in the Christchurch half marathon. Yeah, um, but that didn't obviously didn't happen. So on the day of the Christchurch marathon, I ran a half marathon out in Lincoln with, yep. with Jamie. Jamie was support, and I ran that with another friend who was also Jamie. And I wanted to see how, if I can how fast I can run a half marathon. So I'm pretty happy that I improved my time by about eleven minutes. So it's pretty good. Cool. PB by 11 minutes. Yeah. The final time was? Uh, 94 minutes. 94 minutes. An hour 34. Good job. That's yes. impressive. Mm. Cool. So mm. obviously got a bit of a spring in your step, uh, Paul. Things are going yes. well? Yes. Yes, it does. So Penelope and I are now working towards Auckland. So the next goal is to do Auckland because... I said to her the other day, the problem now is my full marathon times don't line up with my half marathon times. So I've got to no, work no, on that. You've got to do something about that, don't you? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Brilliant. Yeah. Yep. Brilliant. Fantastic, Paul. So what's, uh, what's the goal for Auckland? What are you going to try and shoot for? Um, hoping to get close to my fastest, which is a 3 hour 22. So hopefully I can get back to that sort okay. of time again. Okay. Yeah. Cool. 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 I shouldn't say this, but I'm I'm going to. I've said to a number of people was that I've only ever run one marathon. Just I basically ticked the box. Dunedin Marathon. Uh, it was a horrendous day. I was drafting with another guy because on the the way in around the harbour, it we actually made a difference because it was a yes. squally suddenly. And I run three nineteen. Ticked the box. Moved on. And I've said to a few people that if you can beat three nineteen, I'll run another one. Um, oh. <laughs> so I shouldn't have said that, but it's oh. just I'll throw it out there. Since you're three twenty-two and you're knocking on the door, so if you can run under three nineteen, Paul, I'll, I'll I'll strap my boots on and try and run another one. Right. Well, you have to you have to run a full marathon to qualify for the conference next time. Richard, I'm also hoping that uh, Penelope's listening out there too because I think between Penelope and Paul, uh, your running shoes are going to get a hiding. <laughs> <laughs> we might just make sure this isn't happening. No one sort of hears us. But anyway, we'll, we'll see. There we go, Paul. There's a bit of extra motivation for you. <laughs> good on you. <laughs> very good. Yeah, very right, good. Well, thank, thanks for joining us, Paul. Much appreciated. All the best for your uh, running adventures and um, looking forward to cheering on and uh, seeing how you get on. Okay. Sounds good. Thanks, Richard. Good job. Thanks, well done. Paul. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Cheers. See you. Well done, well, Angus. Comrades. Well, comrades. I've uh, just been uh, doing a bit of research while I've been sitting <laughs> here and uh, what an event.
Yeah, yeah, incredible, isn't it? Uh, I didn't know know really of it until Paul came along and sort of uh, explained and shared his experiences and things like that. So yeah, pretty amazing just the amount of people and and what they do and and how long it's been running for as well um, oh, for that long. So um, ultra running is a bit of a, a, a like it's probably last five or ten years really, isn't it? That started to really take off, but that's been running mm. since nineteen twenty odd. Yeah. Mm. Well, Impressive. speaking of great events, Richard, speaking of great events that are going on out there at the moment, there uh, is a CP trig bagging uh, collection going on out there at the moment. There is, there is. So we wanted to keep our, like we did a whole bunch of different challenges across the lockdown period, one every week. So we wanted to keep that going, but just kind of take it down a bit of a notch um, and also give people uh, who are shift workers and working across the weekend to the opportunity to to get involved. So we've got this trig bagging competition. It's been, it's probably halfway through now. We've been running it, it's two weekends. So we've done the first weekend into the second weekend this week. We've got a few different options in terms of, uh, uh, how to get involved. So how many trigs can you bag is the, the, the number one. And then also, hey, the more trigs you bag, every time you, you put a photo of yourself at a trig, um, you'll go in the draw to win a pure sport nutrition prize pack as well that they've uh, gifted to us to give out. So every time you do that, but don't be, don't be like Jan Sipple and just take a photo of the trig and then assume, for us to assume you've been there, make sure your face is in it as well, please. Brilliant. So I've got some. I've got some. Okay. Yes, what have we got there? Um, so we just want a couple of special mentions out there. One, first of all, Darren. Oh, yep. Darren Darren DeGroote, uh, just a bit like the Everest Challenge, went a bit crazy with it. He was uh, out there today, sent me a message to say, this is the job that I've got. And that's what he got done today. So all over the place, isn't he? Um, in Christchurch, all across the Port Hills, bagging those tricks. So he must be, he's in, easily in double figures, just as yeah. today's mission. Looks like he's about eleven deep there, and yeah. then actually he actually stars in this Nick and the next one coming up here in a second too. But um, let's just let's just jump to here quickly. Yep, and it would. Now I want you, Richard, just to take note of that trick there for a second. Yes, I've got that. Right, and then uh, Darren's back. <laughs> and, yeah, and it's exactly the same trick. Is it the same tagging that you did there? And and. This was sent in by Brett, and I'm just looking at the tagging on there, and it's almost looking like it's a um, a, a competition to have your photo taken at that one particular trig. Yeah, that's right. Well, you have to try and see if you can find that particular trig this weekend, Angus. Maybe that's your job. Oh, geez. Have you seen the weather coming? <laughs> exactly. That makes it more adventurous, my, doesn't it? My, my snowshoes to get there, I think. Yeah, the good, 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 good. Fantastic. Lastly, tell me about this one. Yes, so uh, these guys uh, – so they've Girl. been all over the place. Girls, sorry, um, have uh, uh, well, they must be up to about ten trigs or something. So five and have been up to Hamner and all over the place, haven't they? They have indeed. And uh, so popping up there together, doing it in a in a team environment there, Richard, um, yes. and, and doing a great job. So been a successful week uh, of trig bagging going on out there. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, no, it's cool. So get involved in it. Uh, manage yourself. Look after yourself in regards to the weather. Not all trigs are up high. So um, do a bit of research and see what you can find. Mm, totally. Absolutely. Good stuff. Well, well, thank you for, for clicking the buttons and um, keeping keeping us honest tonight, Angus. Oh, I think we've done good tonight, Richard. That's been great chat. Uh, some absolute quality stars as always. And what's your key learning to take away tonight? Um, that I can get inside your head. <laughs> and for my learning, it's just a smile. Just yeah, to smile right. and just, just smile. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. And is you that know, all you've got? 
that way, you know, actually thinking about the courage thing really more than anything, and yeah. uh, you know, having the courage to to you know deal with all the things that you're throwing at along the way and the challenges, and um, I think a really good first step. Yes, absolutely. No, John, lots of good stuff. And and also with what Kusha was talking to as well in regards to the nutrition side of things and and uh, and the diet culture, to be aware of that and uh, and reach out if you need a bit of a hand because um, there's a lot of people battling out in regards to that. And you don't have to, um, to enjoy your food and enjoy what you do and walk forward to those challenges. 200%, Richard, 200%. All right, I'll run out. So uh, join us again, everybody. Same back channel, same back time next week. Um, as always, this will be up on YouTube, hopefully tomorrow. Get onto YouTube, check out Team CPNZ, hit subscribe, hit the like button, uh, the bell to get all the notifications. Uh, all our previous episodes and the current ones are all heading for your favorite podcast with uh, podcast app, whether that be Anchor, Spotify, Apple. Um, it's there, it's everywhere. Search to uh, CP Media Endurance. Um, you should find us there. Mm -hmm. Brilliant. Till next week. Till next week. Job Over, and Over and out. out.